Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Our lives. We give you, th- for the, uh, we give you thanks for the privilege of knowing you. We give you thanks for bringing us, Lord, not to destruction, Lord. Let us not be like the people of Israel when they left Egypt who said, you brought us out here to kill us. Lord, you brought us out with a mighty salvation hand, and you desire to take us into the provisions you have for us, Lord. Father, don't let us die in our desert. Don't let us grow in unbelief and harden our hearts, Lord, to coming to the fullness of everything that you pulled us out of destruction to bring us into instruction and to salvation, and that we might be an instrument, O God, to show forth your glory to the nations. When other people are dying, when other people are suffering, when other people are going through their trials and tribulation, Lord, let them see in us the faithfulness of a God who causes us to shine, Lord, causes our mourning to turn into dancing, our greed to turn into generosity. Give us that heart, Lord, to come full circle into your purposes, Lord. And Lord, those that are among us and are the youngest and just got here, Lord, that we have one testimony for them. Our God is faithful. Our God is abundant. Our God is powerful. He's mighty and he saves. And that's why in the tent of the righteous, there are shouts of jubilee. That's why in your house we could say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness, who always leads us to triumph. You have never dropped the ball. You have never led us astray. You have never led us into a dead end or an ambush, O God. But your ways are perfect. Your ways are tried and they're true. So Lord, allow us to know you so that we can always walk in your ways, Lord. And Father, multiply and increase this provision of bread this evening, Lord. This word, Lord, let it be our source in the midst of a time of of necessity and famine, O God. We give you thanks for your peace and your joy and your provision, your purpose, your protection. Supernatural in the midst of all chaos, Lord, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding because of who you are, Lord, and what we know. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There is no doubt in our mind that we can... Just reach over and touch frailty of man um, and the weakness of who we are. Um, It's amazing how uh, just a glance of prosperity, just a little bit of glance of going in the right direction, we forget about God. And we, we, we start turning our hearts Uh, on the provision and the prosperity and our strength is is something that we take for granted but all those people that knew God well uh, people like Paul in 2nd Corinthians 12 10 this man boasted in his greatness and his ability and he was always bringing out that evidence of his ability to be able to get the job done and not lack with anything. Um, You guys know, for you saw his testimony, how he single-handedly was going to destroy Christianity. He says, I went to go get authorization so I could go and get rid of the problem. So this guy is a get-it-done, do-it-yourself kind of guy. And if there's anyone who's going to meet Jesus Christ, is this type of guy. If there's anyone who is going to be confronted with, you're not the big dog, or you're not the big guy, or you're unable. We said it last week. If God gives you a trial and you say, look at me go, look at what I did, I guarantee you God's going to take it to you until you cry mercy. Have you guys ever played mercy? He's going to cry, and you're going to shout mercy. And, and Paul, who was such a strong and mighty and had it together, you, you hear his resume in Philippians. We're going to go there now, but 
This is what he, this is the conclusion of his dealings with Christ. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, I'm the type of guy that I will have a blast whenever I'm overcome. Whenever there's something greater than my ability to do it, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice. And it, it sounds kind of sick there that you, in the midst of problems, are going to take pleasure. But you could only do that if God is going to take on the fight. And this is what Paul learned. He says, I learned to take pleasure in my infirmities. And in reproach, when I'm up against things that are going to leave me out in the cold, that's what a reproach is. Something that's going to leave you hanging. Something that's going to shame you. It's a fight you lose. And he says, in the midst of these reproaches, I take pleasure. And then he says, in the middle of my needs, I'm going to have a good time. And this guy sounds like he's talking gibberish. It doesn't make sense what he's talking. But by the end of today, you'll know how to say the same thing. And say, I will take pleasure in my infirmities. I'm going to take joy when I find that I can't make it happen. When I'm out in the cold. When I'm going through difficulties and needs and lack. When I'm going through persecutions. And, and I'm, I just feel that I'm being chased out of town. I feel that, you know, I, I'm, I got, I'm that, that proverbial dog with the tail between your legs. Uh, and that's what he's saying. I, I, I enjoy that, he says. Those parades. Uh, a friend of mine says, whenever I feel that the devil's chasing me, I just smile and I, I think I'm leading the parade. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead the parade. I'm not going to sit there and, and give him the joy that he's overcoming. So, in distresses means, we talked about it last week before I left, in problems. And there's only one way that we can able to see the glory of God. Because meanwhile, you're taking care of business. And God has not put you here to take care of business for you to show your strength. For you to show your ability. For you to show your capacity. He says, for Christ's sake... And then he culminates saying, for when I am weak, that's the only time I'm really strong anyways. That's the only time that I am able to bring and cause victory and come to a place. And we're, we're not there. We're not there until we surrender. And, and we don't live surrendered lives. The, the, the strongest place of God and, and it, it, it's, it's, it's concerning because the, the, the purpose of God is to make us strong, to make us healed, to have no shame, but to have glory and honor. The purpose of God is, is to bring us to another level of place, but we, we somehow have the capacity when God is trying to bring us there to take a left turn. We see in the life of a guy in the Old Testament named Uzziah, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 14. This man was a nobody when he got started. Totally zero. Going nowhere fast. And in 2 Chronicles 26, 14, you see the provisions he had are vast and glorious. And look at this. Then Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, all the body armor, he prepared for them bows. This guy is an industrious man. He's getting things done. He's going forward. He's prospering. He has the capacity to, to overcome and slings to cast stones. He had a variety of talents. And I, I want you to see that he made devices in Jerusalem. He was being industrious for the kingdom of God, for his personal life, for those people around him. There is no better state for anybody to be uh, than to not have a need and to be a provider. I've always said that. When the Bible says it's better to give than to receive, I, I know why. Do you know why? Because if you're giving, that means you have. And I always want to be a giver. That means it's not going to run out. Better give than to receive. Uh, Wellington Boone says that he feels sorry 
for human beings, especially Christians, who never get on the supply side of the kingdom of God. They're always, uh, give me, give me, give me, give me. I, I, you know, they might have a whole bunch or they don't see what they have because they're only concerned about receiving. They never give. And, and we've had that opportunity to see people when they call the church we want to give something to the church. Could you please come over? And I went there about three years ago. Somebody called the church. We want to give the church something. So like, that's weird. They're not even Christians. Why would they want to give the church something? And when I get to their house, they have all the garbage, everything they want the church to throw away, and they're giving it to the church. And I said, give it to your grandmother. In Spanish, it sounds better. Dáselo a tu abuela. Give it to somebody you really love because you're not loving God on this one. And the church is not a dump. And you're not to come and give leftovers to God. And you know what? You know what we do? We give them our leftover time. We give them our leftover talents, our leftover energies. I can't go because I'm, I'm tired. Well, where did you use all your energy on? Where, where did you use your efforts on? I mean, it sure was doing something for God. No, it wasn't for God. I, I only have leftovers for God. And it's just, the, you know, I'm barely staying awake here while you're preaching. Because I was making money like a madman today. I, I was in the world. I was, I was hustling. And so this man is doing everything in his capacity. In verse 15 he says, He made uh, devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men, to be on the towers and on the corners, to shoot arrows and large stones. I don't know what he invented, but this man was savvy in his affairs. And he was doing so well that his fame was far and wide. For he was marvelously, say with me, helped until he became strong. He was incredibly assisted, aided. The burdens that, that he had were helped until he became strong. But then the next verse shows us What's going on here in verse 16? But when he was strong, say that with me, when he was strong in his heart and he was puffed up, he was lifted up, he was proud. To his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord, his God, by entering in the temple to burn incense on the altar. It seems to be that whenever we're strong, we need uh, attitude adjustment, right? We need God to come and remind us that without Him we could do nothing. We need Him to remind us that He's the one that causes us to prosper. He's the one that blesses us. He's the one that gives us the ability to, to plan and to make a strategy that brings victory. And it's only, unfortunately, it's only when we're debilitated. We're, we have a flat tire and can't go nowhere that we start saying, I wonder when God's going to show up. I wonder if God's going to re remember that I'm His. I, I, I wonder if God, you know, re remembers our covenant. If He remembers our relationship. And let me tell you something. The Bible says a mother will forget about her child before God forgets about us. And, and, and that, that speaks volumes because a mother will never forget her child. In Hebrews 11.33, talking about those men who learned that it was in their weakness and in their debility and infirmity and it's in trouble and needs that, that they're the strongest. That's not when you're debilitated. That's where you're the strongest because you can't take care of yourself no more and somebody just a little bit stronger than you will. Somebody a little bit more faithful than you will come across, and he's not just going to barely give you leftovers. He's going to come across with flying colors. You get ready for promotion. You get ready for a God who knows how to hear the heart of a man who has become weakened, a man who has admitted his inability, a man who humbles himself will be exalted, the Bible says. When I'm weak, that's when I'm the strongest. When God has put air out of my sail, that's when I could trust in Him. I don't have anyone else to look to. Hebrews 11.33 says, These men through faith, they overcame kingdoms. 
They did works of righteousness. They were able to obtain the promises. They were able to stop the mouth of devouring lions. It is surrounded on every side by every, everything is coming at you. Like we said last week, Fast and Furious. Another movie. Verse 34. They were able to quench the violence of fire. I don't know how much fire you're in, but I know somebody who puts them out. And if you shouted amen, he'd get here. If you shouted amen with faith, that would probably call him to your service, to your side. You call upon the name of the Lord. And you know who your God is. It'll quench the fire of things out of order. They escape the edge of sword. They escape the edge of the sword. Some of us have to ask for a little bit more insight than we have. And just as much as Balaam's donkey. Tell God to stop making you dumber than a donkey. Because if you don't understand that the sword of the Lord is up against you, and you still cannot surrender, and you can still, you can still have peace, the sword of the Lord is up against you, and you're about to lose everything, so that God can remind you that when you're really weak, that's when you're the strongest. And some of us will try. will try to come against the hand of God. And so these men escaped the edge of the sword. Balaam's mule was able to open up in size his eyes and see a huge angel with a huge sword. And you know what he did? He stopped walking. That's what a donkey does. When you're going through troubles, you're walking in the wrong direction. God is, God is a, a God of, of, what are they called, um, they're called falls, waterfalls. The, 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 the presence of God is a place of refreshing. The, the faith walk is a, a place of refreshing. Repent now, says the Lord, so that you can experience times of refreshing. And what's the refreshing? I live in God's hand. I, God is the one that blesses me and prospers me. I have peace. I'm not looking. I'm not measuring the temperature without this is an issue of within, and it's my walk with God. Out of weakness, these were made strong. Did you see that? Hebrews 11.34. So then you ask yourself, and I ask myself all the time, how much more until I become really strong? Until I become really strong. Because in weakness is when we're made strong. He says, out of weakness they were made strong. We don't want to experience weakness. Became valiant in battle. And they were willing to take on any of the armies of those foreigners that wanted to come and steal their plunder. And tell the devil, you're playing with my mind. You're not playing with my peace. You're not playing with my family. You're not playing with my future. You're not playing with what I know and what I believe. And this is how we become strong. And this is how we... And, and, and we've been putting this to practice even more vehemently in the last couple of months here. Where we're, all those demons come out of the hell hole and they want you to move in an opposite direction than the direction you need to go in. And these people turned the flight of armies of all these that were opposing them. And so Paul was able to learn in 2 Corinthians 10.3 that even though we are in a world, we're not the ones that battle like the world battles for though we walk in the flesh and trust me there we have the capacity the bible says elijah was subject to the natural you know frailties of man he was just as 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 prone to worry to concern he took flight he said god kill me i'd rather die than to be humiliated and God says, uh-uh, my friend, you still got a long way to go. You still got a lot of work for me to do. You come out of there and have some breakfast, and we're going to go forward. Because there's three men that are waiting for you to walk in the courage and in your might of God's spirit and power. 
Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. What does the world do? Say with me, worry. There's, be anxious about nothing. That's a commandment. Do not worry about tomorrow. These are all the things that God has told us to walk in. The cares of this life destroy a faith walk. We look paralyzed and disabled. We are not able to take a step. And much less could we turn to somebody and say, Hey, brother, and give them that, give them that, that energy encouragement that we're called to give in this world that's a light, a light in the midst of darkness. And while other people are, are waging war according to this world with the worldly strategies, it says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not human. They're not, they're not going to come through your mind. The, the reason we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit is because while the Spirit is uttering words, the mind does not understand. You're, you're speaking secrets with God. And the secrets are, my confidence is in you. My hope is in you. My strength is in you. My future is in you. And this is what the Spirit will do. And it will increase your spirit man and your faith walk. And the people are saying, what's going on with this guy? He's never phased by anything. Well, when you're looking at God, there's nothing that impresses a man of faith. There's nothing. He's not measuring the problem. He's not analyzing the, the, the skillfulness of man's ability. Like when David was fighting, fighting Goliath. They already knew how much the sword weighed. They knew how much the helmet weighed. They, I, I don't know who was on the binoculars there saying, Brother, this guy is big. Because see, this guy measures about nine feet tall. And he's a, I, I gather his extremities, big boned. He's big boned. And, and they were just, you know, identifying and defining what was the, the size. Oh, that tsunami that's coming, brother, that's going to leave nobody. That's just going to wipe everybody out. And we become evangelists for Satan. We begin to discourage the heart of our brethren. We're not fighting like the world. We're not boasting in our ability. I love Wellington Boone for that reason. What, a, what an incredible, humble servant. He says, all I am is a worm. And a worm doesn't do much. A worm doesn't defend itself. I don't know if you've ever messed with the worm, but you didn't even know where the teeth are. It doesn't show its teeth. It doesn't coil up and, and back up and strike. And, and, and we need to be more like that. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, we're not fighting like the way the world does. How does the world do? The world takes inventory of their abilities, their strength, their future, taking inventory of how much is in the bank, taking inventory of how much they work, taking inventory of what opportunities they have. And the king spoke saying, Is this not great Babylon that I have built for my royal dwelling, by my mighty power and for my honor? And you need to lose all that in this world. You need to lose that. And, and, and that takes some, some dealings for you to lose that. When you're totally stripped and you're just left to the tender mercies of God. And if there's ever a reason why we fall in that dilemma is because we turn from God and we start strolling away from His words and we start being indifferent to His instruction and we start making our base and our strength something that Pastor Omar was telling today. It's, it's a total facade. It's a fraud. It promises to keep you and it cannot. It says, to a rich man, his money are, is like walls. Like he's like a surrounded bunker. He's fooled. His money can't help him in the day of tribulation, in the day of trial, in the day. It says, don't place your confidence in your riches because they'll grow wings and fly away. Don't place your confidence in your ability to bunker down in this world. And so men like this guy Nebuchadnezzar was uh, relying upon the strength of his humanistic ability making himself 
the measure of all things. As the Bible says to treasure up in heaven, how much do you have in your bank account that is supernatural? That's going to see you through. I had clients when I was a lawyer that says, hey, if, if you do this case, I'll give you $10,000. And the Lord says, you better not. I said, Lord, but $10,000 goes a long way. And he says, you better not. Do you want the $10,000 or do you want me? I said, I want you because you don't run out. The $10,000 is comes and it goes. But God never runs out. And so to serve God and to have your faith and your confidence, what peace. One woman got to our church years ago. She had $100,000 in the bank. And she said, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'm going crazy. I, don't. I said, lady, if you had what I have in the bank, you'd commit suicide. If I show her my $300 in my bank, she'd commit suicide. I said, how am I going to bring in money next month? If God doesn't show up, I am dead. And I have to come up with, when I was a lawyer, at least about $20,000 a month to pay my bills. I had $300 in the bank, and she wants to commit suicide. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? If you want to commit suicide with $100,000, what do I do with $300? But you know something? It's sad that we don't build our heart in our development, in the things that are real, the love of God, the mercy of God, the faithfulness of God. And so this man had nothing. He was making himself the measure of all things. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, we're going to learn something by the time we're done. That it's not by power, nor by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's where the Spirit leads you. The Spirit will provide. Where the Spirit leads you, there will be abundance. Listen, abundance is the measure of God. Abundance of peace and joy. This is the word of the Lord, not by might nor by power. Well, then what do I do with everything I have? You better give it to the poor and follow Christ. You better surrender what, you, what this world is promising you that's going to keep you. Because the only one that keeps us is the Lord. He's faithful. Derek Prince used to say, it's a fool, the man who has a retirement plan. Because he's hoarding wealth instead of sowing in the lives of people. And I guarantee you, I have no retirement of uh, plan, but I am set for life. Amen. For life, wherever I go, thanks to Jesus Christ. Because he taught me how to be generous. And to give, and to give, and to give, and to give. And the Bible says, he who gives, it shall be given to him in large measure. Shaken down, pressed together, running over is the measure of a man who decides to believe God. But some men have decided to put their confidence in their wealth and in their ability and in their power. And so I have a good prayer is Luke 17, 5 and 6. Since we need to develop the inner man, the spiritual man, the faith walk, to walk on waters, to oversee that which comes our way, to become weaker is to become stronger. To, to, to forsake things is to gain all things. To die is to live. And so when we hear those words, the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. Increase that life. Let us grow there. Let us work out there. Let's exercise that muscle. Let's, let's, let's pour it out there. And Jesus says, if you begin as small as a faith of a mustard seed, it's not a big thing God is asking for. Start with that little seed because it will grow up to be the largest of trees. A little thing walking in that direction, you'll see it grows. And soon enough, you'll see, and you'll talk to things that stand in your way, and you'll say to these mountains and to these trees and to these objects that, that are a problem in your way, that you'll say, be pulled up by the roots, get out of here. Be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. You'll see the peace of God will come over you like this. You'll have the victory in a second. If you have the confidence to speak in the direction you need to speak. So we're going to start out with the foundation. That was just the introduction. Judges chapter 5 verse 31. The promise of God is that all of our enemies, say with me, all of them, perish. Everyone 
who stands in front of you and threatens you and intimidates you and causes you to fear and to run and, and to rely upon earthly help. This is, this is the word of the Lord for you. All your enemies will perish. Every single one. There's not going to be one alive. The promise of God. Every single demon. And then the promise is not only that they who come against you to bother you, to steal your peace. I, I don't like people to mess with my children. I don't like when I hear at school somebody's messing with my boys and my girl. I'm going to go find out. I'm going to go have a little private conversation. Because I, I do not like fear in the heart of my children. And God doesn't like that either. That's, that's the heart of God. And says, but may all, this is the promise, the enemies will perish. But if you want to be part of that body of people, you better do, let those who love God be like the sun that continues to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. Amen. Who? Those who love God. Those who love God. Those who stand where God wants them to stand and lives and breathes what God wants them to breathe. Those will shine like the sun at its full strength and we're not there yet. That's 12 noon. We're about 9.30 right now. We're going to continue to shine, shine, shine and then God's going to take us out of this world. But there's only one direction for those who love God. Let those who love Him, that are passionate, that make Him the object of their devotion, of their, of their heart, of their strength, of their talent, of their treasure, of their time, those are the ones that you're going to see flourish. It's doing what God speaks into our life. It's walking with God. Like Elijah was following Elijah, he says, stay here while he says, no, I'm not going to stop following you until I get a double portion of what I've seen in your life. And God wants us to be those people when it comes out in full strength. And when you believe this, and when you stand on this, you stand knowing that all your enemies will perish, stand knowing that you love God and He's going to take you forward, you're going to have rest for 40 years. Entire generation, that's the fruit of not letting your enemies come and make you their puppy and make you urinate and, and take off running because you're listening more to them than you are the voice of God. And Goliath was talking on that day too on the battlefield and he says, you are coming against me with a stick like if I'm a dog? And he says, nobody, my focus is not on my ability today. It's not my capacity. It's my God. I come against you in the name of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord. That's who leads my path into battle. In Judges chapter 6, which is the following verse, and, and listen, when we deviate from what we just read, Judges 5.31, when we get to the very next verse, you'll see that the tendency of God's people is not to listen to God. The very next verse, the word is, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. What does it mean to do evil? It means you turned your heart in a different direction. You started walking in a different confidence. You started becoming strong in your own ability. And what does God do to that? It's when we're weak that we're strong. He has to come against you. He has to leave you alone for a season. So when the children of Israel forgot the word of the Lord, and I hope you don't forget, it'll sustain you in this season. But if you forget and you turn in the wrong direction, it says the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. When you see your enemies start growing, when you see the shadows start getting bigger, it's because the light is no longer present. In the midst of the light, there are no shadows. But you start seeing shadows left and right, left and right, left and right. Don't worry about the shadows. Worry about getting back under the light. Come back to the presence of God, to the devotion of God. And it says the Lord gave them up to their enemies. For how long? Seven years, speaking of perfection. God wants to do a perfect work in us. And the perfect work is until we turn back to God. Halfway? No. Fully. Wholeheartedly. You will seek me and find me when you follow me with all of your heart. When you're totally surrendered. 
That's when God shows up. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of their enemies for seven years. And you could take rest in the fact that God's doing a perfect work in your life and in my life. Until we don't get where we need to be, that fire is going to be cooking. And there's going to be dealings. And God wants a character to be transformed. Verse 2. And the hand of Midian prevailed. I don't like that because we just said that the enemies will not will perish. Why is the enemy prevailing against Israel? And because of the enemy, the children of Israel made for themselves. Say, make for yourself. God's not helping you. You better come up with some good ideas. If you decide you're not going to take God's idea, you better come up with a great plan. And they began to hide themselves in dens, caves, and strongholds. They were making fortresses. They were being surrounded by their own ability to care for themselves. And we know that that's always a failing answer or, 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 or resolution or conclusion. When you're taking care of yourself, man was not created to take care of himself. Man was to fellowship with God, and God would take care of man. And he would delight in the fellowship he had with man and walk in the afternoon uh, shade in the garden looking for man. Let's have fellowship. Let's have man went, went out like Adam and Eve. I'm going to take care of business. I'm not going to need you no more. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it with my strength and my ability. And I got the devil to advise me in that direction. Be careful who's advising you. Because of the power of their enemies was so oppressive, they were hiding, intimidated, and in, in, I don't know what crannies are, but nooks and crannies, they, they were just uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, that's not where God wants you. He says he's going to make a provision of expanse. You're going to be comfortable. There's comfort in the Spirit of God. And so nooks and crannies and hiding in caves is not going to hack it. Stronghold, fortresses, the mighty development of issues. Whenever Israel planted their crops... Whenever they had planned to do something without God, what would happen? The Midianites, the Amalekites, and the other eastern people invaded the country. Listen, I'm, I'm, this is a word of the Lord. If you're doing your own thing, God doesn't cover for you. God doesn't cover for you. You're doing your own thing. He covers His thing. He covers what He's invested in, what He is, 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 has invested in. That's why we need to be making the work of God our investment. Because that's what God covers. He doesn't, as the Bible says, he won't, He's a debtor to no man. God's not going to owe anybody anything. It's the best investment you'll ever have of time, of energy. I've been blown away seeing people give their lives to God. I saw Oscar and Isabel just walk away and go and give their lives to God. Somebody says, well, they're not going to have nothing when they get back. Are you kidding me? Do you know God? You better get saved again. God will take care of them. And God will be lavish and extravagant and good and wash their feet. Because we serve a faithful God. We serve a mighty God. And then that person who told me that, I, I, I felt to pray for him because God is going to just take everything away from them. Because they think their strength is their capacity. And they haven't seen God yet. And that's what Anna came to she came to that realization. She says, hey, let's put away our own ways and let's return to God. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, it says like this, talk no more very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is God of knowledge and by Him He weighs our hearts. He weighs. He knows where your confidence is. He knows where your investment is. He knows where your money is and your time and your heart. He weighs that. And so he says that's why the bow of the mighty is broken. Those who think they're strong, they're out there in the middle of their to-do and crack. They can't shoot arrows no more. They can't defend. They can't fight. They can't hunt. And those who stumble, those who are weak, those who are can I put it together? That's who God's with. That's who God comes alongside of. He says he, He's there with the lowly. Those who stumble are given strength. Those who were full have to go and find two and three jobs because they're out of bread. But the hungry are ceased 
to hunger. God is able. To, I mean, just, just miraculous, supernatural. Guys, I'll tell you this much. In our Hispanic tradition, we have not tasted God yet. We are pirates. We are thieves. We have not given God what is God's due. But you go to the Midwest for those people, they build their towns on their worship to God. In the midst of, of the hugest famine and crisis, economically speaking, Dallas, uh, Texas, the state of Texas, the greatest number of missionary provision going out of, of the United States from Texas. The only state in the union that's not going through a depression is Texas. They have abundance. They're playing with money over there. They've made God their strength. They've made God their heart. And, and we continue to, to, to negotiate and compromise with God. We're not sold out. And so it says there, we'll go, go back to 1 Samuel 2 here. It says in verse 6, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave, and he's the one that brings up. He's the one that makes the poor, and he makes the rich. He brings the low, and he lifts them up. He raises them from the poor, from the dust, and he lifts up the beggar from the ashes and sets them to be princes among his people and makes them have an inheritance to inherit a throne of glory. For the pillar, the columns, the strength of the earth are the Lord's. Are the Lord's. We need to build on those columns, build on those principles, build on those tru truths. And he has set the world upon these realities. And then it says, for by strength, no, but it says, um, he will guard, verse 9, he will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by his own strength, no man shall prevail. That blows me away. I said, I said, Lord, I'm not looking for my ability. I'm looking for you. I'm not looking for my way out. I'm looking for you. I'm not looking for my answers and my advice and my, my you know, uh, what's it called when you insist on something? Capricho. I'm not going to insist on, on, on the way that I'm maneuvering and want out of this thing. You're trying to strip me of all my confidence in earthly affairs that's passing. Heaven and earth is passing away. And he's wanting us to hunker down in something that, that you need to pass on to your children. Because you know what passed it down to us? People that didn't have faith. People that didn't know God. People that didn't make their confidence God. And those type of people in Job chapter 20 are going to be flushed down the toilet. Job chapter 20. He says, even though a wicked man who places his confidence not on God. It's right before the book of Psalms, Job 20. Even though a wicked, wicked man is, is making his confidence something other than God. That, you should read that whole chapter 20, starting in verse 4. Didn't you know this of old, that since the first man was placed upon the earth, that even though the wicked triumph, his joy is like a hypocrite for a moment. Even though he's proud. And he mounts up to the heavens and his head is touching the clouds. He will perish forever like his own crap, like his own refuse. Those who see his strength will see him no more. They'll ask, where is he? He will fly away like a dream. It was all just in his own brain that he was strong. He will not be found. He will be chased away like a, a night vision. The eyes that saw him will see him no more. Nor will his place be found anymore. His children will seek and beg for the favor of the poor. And his hands will have to give back all of the wealth that he thought he had. And so we need to be these people. We need to press into the kingdom. We, this, this is a glorious year for us, for God to tell us, I want you guys to seek me more. What, what do you mean more? Yeah, more. I'm talking about more, more. I'm talking about really more. Not on passing, not coming three times a week just to a service. Come in here when there's no service and, and throw yourself on, on your face before the altar of God and say, God, show me what you want me to do because that's where I'll prosper. Show me where I'm to invest my time because it's hiding from me. 
This is my glory. This is my ability. This is my strength. But where are you? And God will let you find him if you seek him. In Judges chapter 6, and we're finishing up here. I started a little bit. Going back to this place where they were all under the hand of the, of the enemy. And, and we're go, starting, we know the enemies have started taking their plunder, their crops. All these demonized thoughts that come in and tell us to invest in crops that don't have God's hand on it. And tell us that we can't afford a tithe and we can't offer and we can't be generous and we can't be provided for. Let me tell you something, the greatest provision of God is when you can't. When there's nothing then God shows up gloriously. And it says in verse 4, they camped on the land and ruined the crops. You have all these demons hanging out with you in your living room, in your bathroom, and did not spare a living thing. They don't let any... Listen, the fear of this world won't let anything we do prosper. There's not going to be one... They're, they're like goats. They eat everything, including the roots. You, you, what a mighty word of God tonight but if you don't care for you walk out of here tonight and the roots will be eaten up by the next couple of phone calls and worries and concerns and you'll lose the provision of God they don't want one living thing to be produced they come against us and destroy the produce of the earth not leave any sustenance for Israel you won't have a sheep an ox or a donkey to get around on. And then it says in verse 5, they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. You let one demon in, he'll let ten in. You let ten in, they'll let, let a hundred come in. You start listening to a commercial that, that you have an illness, you'll have every illness in the book. Having this will cause you to have suicide thoughts. Having this will cause you to have diarrhea. And you'll have every demon in the book parking his RV in your house if you give him room. We need to start evicting all these demons. Serve notice on them. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land and they weren't there to make it look pretty. It says to ravage, which means to destroy the land. And so verse 7 it says... No, verse 6, I want you to underline this because it says this is how Israel became greatly poor. This is how they were impoverished. You guys are seeing it tonight because you came into the house of the Lord and God is faithful and he'll speak to those people who seek him. But there's people here tonight that would rather go to sleep early so they could worry early in the morning. So they could go on their strength, on their horse, on their donkey, on their ability, on their strength, with their plans. And they think they're going to prevail. And he says this. This is how Israel became greatly impoverished. And because of their enemy, the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. But God has a question. God has a question when we cry out to the Lord. In verse 8, he says he sent them a prophet. Isn't God faithful to always send us a messenger? And some of us don't want to hear the messenger, what he has to say. Oh, you're being too hard with me. The devil's not being hard with you. You let him in. He's come all over you. He's taken everything you have. You haven't kicked him out. Why are you kicking the servant of God out? Why are you kicking the word of God out? Why are you shutting your ears? You who kill prophets. You who stone my men. I brought you up out of Egypt. He sent a prophet who says, this is what the Lord of God says. Didn't you remember what I did for you already? You quickly forgot. I brought you out once out of Egypt. I brought you once out of your misery. I brought you out once out of an enemy, out of the land of slavery and captivity. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hands of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship. Do not incline. Do not bow down to these things. Whose land you live in. And then verse 10, God says this, but you have not obeyed my voice. That's the nexus. We're not listening to God. Why should we prosper? We're, we don't have God as a, our plan maker. We, don't, we haven't followed his strategy. Did you expect to end up anywhere else? And God says, you didn't listen to my voice. So you cry out to me. I send you another servant. Now 
The question is, will you do it God's way? We'll think about it. Depends how much the devil wants to take. He's going to take it all. Till your heart turns to God. Till your heart turns to God. And he says, you did not listen to me. And so let's finish there tonight. And I pray that, that this message would have come to refresh you. And that you know from now on it's time to turn our hearts to listen to God. And, and you know sometimes we need to shut up to listen to God. How many say amen? amen. And Jose Rivera shared that also. That we, we can't get anywhere because we have our own plans. We have our own thoughts. We have our own future. We have our own ways. Father, we give you thanks tonight for your word. We give you thanks for your faithfulness, Lord. And we pray, Lord, and ask you forgiveness, Lord, for our hearts that continue to turn. We know salvation is only found in you. We know that you are generous and your ways are greater and higher and your thoughts are loftier. Forgive us our hardened hearts, Lord, of unbelief. Forgive us of our pride that when we're being held by you, we prosper and then our heart lifts up and we turn and we don't serve you as vehemently. We don't serve you as faithfully. We don't honor you. We don't seek you. Father, we want to return to that place where you draw us near to you, Lord. And this year is that year set aside so that we could be more intimate, Lord. That means that you want us to be more prosperous. You want us to flourish, Lord. You want us to be fruitful. Bless your people in this church, Lord. Bless the ones that aren't here, Lord. That we who are here might encourage those that are not. Because you said that some have caused it and have it as a custom already not to come together, Lord. We pray, Father, that we would be able to stir them up, Lord, and that they might come to seek the word of the Lord and that they might be in the house of the Lord with those who stand by night in the presence of the Lord. Prosper us and bless us in these times of famine and distress, Lord. And we thank you for these times because we know that in these times when we are weak, we are truly strong and you give us the victory. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name and the people of God say, Amen. Amen.